know, um, I got a text message from Pastor Jeff this morning. And, you know, he, uh, he sends the regards to every one of us here. And um, we prayed, prayed for him down there. He's doing the marathon his first week in South Bay. And, um, you know, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. I know that uh, so many of us have conversations and we're waiting to see what the Lord's going to do. And we're going to do it together as a church and a body. And, um, you know, we just celebrated Easter. And I don't know about you, but I'm still feeling the Holy Week. I'm still feeling the blessings of the celebration of Good Friday service and the resurrection last Sunday. And the thing is, that what really stood out for me, I mean, I've been to many, many Good Friday services. But for some reason this year, hearing the message, and at the end where, forgive them, for they know what, not what they do. And, you know, we, we know that. We know that. We understand that. We say it. We speak it. But this year, hearing it really meant more to me. Meaning this. When someone does something to us wrong, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No matter what it is, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what is going on in our lives, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that is the heart that we're supposed to have as Christ did. You know, for Him to hang on the cross and go through that penalty for our sins, and then for Him to say, forgive them, for they know not what they do, it put a whole different perspective. You know, working with the high schoolers and, and junior high and, and the youth and, and adults as well, you know, you hear the peer pressure that we go through. And I just want to, you know, share that with you because we all have those things that someone does. Someone says the wrong word or maybe someone doesn't recognize you. Um, if you know me, we had a Jeep. Um, and uh, every time we'd drive somewhere, everybody knew the Jeep. And if you didn't wave to the people that waved back to you, they'd be offended. I'm glad we don't have the Jeep. <laughs> Not because I don't like waving, but sometimes you're just like in a groove and, you, and you're, you're focusing. And if you don't wave and, you get a, and someone gets offended, you're like, I'm, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to steer in and hit you and then wave hi? You know? But, you know, before starting the message, it was just on my heart to share that. Because, like I said, I'm totally still the Holy Week. We should be doing the Holy Week every week. Every day of our life, we should be like, Jesus, you are so real. Me standing here right now, I need his strength. This is out of the comfort zone for me. You know, you give me the music stand in the high school room and the whiteboard, I'm cool with that. I'm go all night, all day. Put us in a roller rink, I'm cool, I'm good. Fall, get back up. But here, I'm not here to fill any, anybody's shoes. But just like Jeff said, write another chapter in this beautiful book that our church has. And the message that I'm going to bring to you is from my heart. It's what God put on my heart. And I pray that it speaks to your heart as well. But if you can take that tidbit, forgive them for they know not what they do, and magnify that, and we go into the community and we have that frame of mind, that mentality, no matter what we're doing, we're going to be more like Jesus. And people are going to say, yeah, there's something different about that person. And it's Jesus. It's not me. It's not what I do at home. It's what God does in my life. And I had to share that with you. So let's pray and see what the Lord has for us in the Word today. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You so much for this privilege. Lord, Your Word says that we're supposed to be stretched, tried, and proved. And Lord, You're doing that. But Lord, we just want to please You. We want You to speak to our hearts in a way that we can take that message. We can apply it to our lives in a way that maybe we've never done before. As we get into the Word today, we're going to see how two disciples, two men, hung their heads down low when they should be rejoicing. I would pray, Father, worship God us into the frame of mind to hear from Your Spirit. And Lord, I need You just as much as all of us need You. I pray, Lord, that You would go before me. Use me just as a mouthpiece. I am a sinner, but forgiven by Your grace, forgiven by Your blood. I pray, Lord, that You would take this time May we apply it to our lives. In your precious name, amen. All right. The title is Jesus' Presence Unknown. Some of us can relate to that. Sometimes Jesus is right with us. He's trying to get our attention. And maybe we're too loud. Maybe we're being too obnoxious. Or maybe we're just narrow-minded and we don't hear him. Or we're drowning in sorrow or sadness or depression. But then the second half, those who seek Christ shall find him. It is a promise. If we seek Christ, we will find Him. We're in Luke chapter 24. Of course, I'm um, carrying on from where Jeff left off last Sunday in verse 13. Um, As we go through this, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James, but there's going to be a couple cross-references where I go to NLT, just because I like how the wording puts it into place. kind of gives us another perspective of it. But verses 13 through 14 in... uh, Chapter 24 says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together, and all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, first off, seven miles. Today, seven miles a long way. You know, we walk down the block and we're like, oh, I'm tired. But here they walked and they're talking. They're conversing together. Maybe talking about things that they're trying to remember. How did this all happen? Was it something that we were, we were warned about? Was it, was, was it something that God told them in prophecy? They're kind of confused. They're kind of like, wow, what's going on? It says, behold, two men. The, the long and inter, in, I'm sorry, interesting account is not mentioned in Matthew or John, but is briefly talked about in Mark. But Luke brings it to forefront and wants us to understand this. One of these disciples was Cleopas, and the other, many have supposed, it was Luke. And he omitted his name just for modesty. So here we are, Cleopas and Luke. This appearance of Jesus to the two disciples going to Emmaus happened the same day he rose from the grave. That's pretty amazing. Here he raises from the grave, and now he's amongst, amongst them. In spirit or in flesh? In flesh. But we'll see something here. As they talked and shared of the events that had happened, sharing together of his death and resurrection, that they might improve one another's knowledge, refreshing one another's memory. Now, if you're like me, I have a very short-term memory. You know, I need, I need to write things down. I need to make notes of it. Or I'm like, honey, what was that? You know, 
And sometimes we have other people that have great memories. I would love to have the memory just to memorize this whole thing and just stand here. Da, 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 da. And I wouldn't have to read from my notes or anything like that. But here they are, two of these guys, and granted, what they've experienced and what's going on, they've got to be overwhelmed. They've got to be to the point where, hey, what, was that really going on? Was, was, this, was this something we saw? Is this something that we should be happy about? Should we be sad about? But they were talking amongst each other. It was a lot to grasp for them, just like for us sometimes, to really get how much God loves us. He does so much for us, and sometimes it's just so hard to grasp. We don't understand it. His plans for our lives, the thing that comes up in our lives, we don't understand it. We're like, why? Why? We don't get it sometimes. And then sometimes we see the fruit of the, the, the situation that goes on in our lives. And we'll see where God interacted in there. But then sometimes we just like in confusion. What are we doing? I love this. Two brothers talking about Jesus and who shows up? Jesus. Without a doubt, he just shows up. Go figure. Those who seek Christ shall find him. He will manifest, make visible himself to those inquire after him. If we seek after him, he'll show up. He'll show up in a big way. The beauty of it is now we have Him in spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't matter where we're at. We can pray. We can stop right then and pray. There's times that we'll be praying while driving, but with our eyes open. It says cease without, you know, cease without praying. I mean, that we should always be praying in a frame of mind. Our minds should be always focused heavenly bound. Okay? So here we see in Proverbs 8.17, it says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. I need a little drink of water here. Excuse me. And then also in Psalm 70, verse 4, it says, Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. See, if we seek Him, He's always there. He doesn't let us down. He doesn't cast us out and say, I'll get back to you. You know, with me and Jeff praying this morning, he's in South Bay and he's here. He can be anywhere, everywhere. He's always with us, no matter what. If we call upon him, he'll be there. But here's these two guys. They don't even recognize him. Jesus is there with them. Verse 16 and 17 says, But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is that? Is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Now here's in the NLT version. It says, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. When we are caught up in an, a, a time in our lives where we're sad, you know, we don't see clearly. We don't see the things that God has for us. We don't see how God's moving in our lives. But we're seeing here that here's Jesus walking with them. They don't even recognize him. doesn't even recognize him. That's kind of hard to believe. If I'm walking with one of you, I'm going to recognize you. I'm going to know who you are. But here's Jesus walking in the midst of them, and they don't even recognize him. Maybe because that's how God wants it. Maybe, maybe Jesus doesn't want them to understand who's with them. Because the thing is, is when, when we're in the midst of someone that makes us nervous, we don't open up. 
We don't, our hearts aren't open to them. We kind of keep closed up. Or if we're ashamed of something, we kind of keep it in. We don't want to share it with other people. We kind of hide our dark secrets. You know, that skeleton in the closet aspect. But see, Jesus is right there. But they don't know him. So they're going to feel more comfortable. And they get a little, they get a little um, sarcastic with them. But it says, but their eyes were unresponsive. So it was. They did not know him. Perhaps Jesus made it hard for them to see, to see him, and maybe their eyes were full of tears from sadness. I would be sad that day. I would be really sad. But see, Jesus like, look, I've told you what I've come to do. I've told you, I, I spoke to you, you, you know prophecy, but yet you still question what I'm doing. This allowed them to speak more freely in their discussion with Jesus. Just open, like, I don't know you, but hey, I'm going to pour my heart out to you. I'm going to let you know what's going on. There are times that we are sad and our vision is obscured by situations or things that we might be, might be doing in our own personal lives. Jesus might be doing something this and it just blinds us and we don't know what it is. And we, we look to our own flesh. We look to our own understanding and we try to fix it. We try to address it, but we can't. Jesus is right there with us, but we don't recognize it. Sometimes we're slow to get on our knees and pray. Sometimes we're slow to, you know, the, the favorite saying is, well, you know, I'll pray for you. You know, after you've tried everything else, well, I'll pray for you, you know. That's the first thing we should be doing. You know, we should be looking to the Lord in prayer before we make any other decisions. And here these guys are, they're not. They're just trying to figure it out. They're lost. In Psalms 9.10, it says this, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Constant reminder. Christ's disciples were often sad and sorrowful. Even when they had reason to rejoice through the weaknesses of their faith, they could not find the comfort offered to them. So many times we see the stories of the disciples. You know, they see the miracles and they question Jesus. They see these other things that are going on. What? What? Did you do that? You know, 5,000? You, you do that. And we question what he does. And I know everyone sitting here right now has praise reports. Okay? As I said in the beginning, you know, Alan, just what a blessing. And you know what? These blessings are all around us. Was that, was that you, Jesus, did that? Oh, it's a doctor. No, it's Jesus. He's the ultimate healer. Or maybe that job that you're looking for. Maybe the situation and all of a sudden, Jesus is all over it. Was that you? Was that you? Or is that something I did? I always have to remind myself, it's Jesus. We find that our faith is weak and sometimes not realizing it. We walk in total blindness, sadness, and depression. And, and we, sometimes we're happy there. Sometimes we're happy there, and then we want to bring everybody else into it. We want to say, hey, hey misery likes company. Come on over here. I'm having a pity party. Kind of like these disciples. You know, they don't even know it's Jesus, and they're going to just like, ah, a little whimpering going on, a little sadness going on, confusion, scared. Though Christ has entered into this state of exaltation, however, he notices the sorrows of his disciples and us and is afflicted in their afflictions. Even though Jesus is like, ah, 
He understands what they're going through and he comes right into the midst of it. Right in the middle of his afflictions and meets them there. Verse 18 through 19 says this, Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. All right. In NLT version, I kind of like how they word it there. It says, Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things that have happened there in the last few days. With sarcasm. I kind of read that and I hear sarcasm. What? You don't know what's going on? Don't you have a clue where you've been? You a visitor? You just fly in or something? Get a clue, Jesus. Once again, you got to remember, they don't know who he is. Speaking to him like some punk or something, you know? Some knucklehead. And then it says, 19, What things, Jesus asked, these things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said? He was the prophet who did powerful miracles. He was mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Now let's stop there for a minute. Did Jesus know? Did he know? Of course he did. Sometimes we think the Lord already knows what we're going to pray for so we don't have to pray. I'm guilty of that all the time. Lord, you know what's going on, man. I, I'm going. Catch me when I fall, okay? I'm just going to hit my wall, head on the wall and that's it. How about when you, our children share something with us? We already know what they're going to share. We already know the outcome. We just want to hear it. We want to hear it through their mouth. So we want to hear how they, they perceive it. You know, Danny and I were out in the raft yesterday fishing in our puddle in Arrow Bear. i got to say, we pulled out a killing of ten fish. It was good. Joe, you should have seen them. They were fishing story. No, no, literally, they were pretty big. But just kind of hearing how he thinks and what he, he thinks about how we're going to do stuff. You know, let's tip over in the raft. Let's just swim back to shore. I'm okay with that. I just, I'm comfortable. But see, we know with our kids what's going to happen, but we want to hear about it. The same with Jesus. Talk to me. He wants us to talk to him. About the trouble at work, the things that are bugging you, the feeling in your heart. All those valuable things that kind of make us sad and depressed. He already knows, but he wants to hear it from you. He wants us to express it. When we express it with our voice, it makes it more personable. And then it gives us the ability to leave it at the cross and with Jesus. Because a lot of times if we don't speak it, we don't deal with it. We just kind of sweep it under the carpet. While talking over the events that have taken place to Jesus, they will soon find themselves convicted in their own words. So they're going to talk, they're going to think it out, things are going to come out, things that, man, am I really doing that, Lord? Am I really being a knucklehead here? As they start talking to the Lord... They will invertedly give all kinds of reasons they shouldn't, shouldn't be sad and shouldn't have been weak in their faith. This is the beauty of prayer. So see, Jesus is there. They're kind of like praying. They're not closing their eyes. They're not bound, but they're kind of praying. They're expressing what's on their heart to them. When we read Psalms, we will see that the psalmist is pouring out his complaints 
When we read Psalms, we see that to the Lord. But usually, time works out by about the seventh verse in there, they end up giving praise to the Lord. You ever notice that about Psalms? You kind of like in the beginning, oh, here's my complaints. This is what's going on. Oh, hear me, O Lord. Oh, hear me. And then, praise the Lord, you heard me. That's how it is. Sometimes we get so caught up in it. When I talk things out with the Lord and recount the situation to Him, I begin to see what I'm doing wrong. That's how, how it is with me. I, I'm praying, talking it out with God, and I see, oh, wow, that was my fault. And I was upset about it. Here I thought I had everything right, and I had the right to be upset. Anybody been upset with God? I don't know. I know I have. There's been times where, whew, Lord, come on, man. I'm not ready for this. I need this. I want that. But then when I talk it out, you know, the Lord shows me, you know what, Dan? You need to just settle down. Chill out. Sit there and wait for my presence. Wait for me to be there. And then he convicts me. The men. One of them was Cleopas said they were talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Cleopas commented that their fellow companion must be the only one living in all of Jerusalem who did not know what had happened. Once again, he's like, wow, doesn't recognize him. And then he just kind of slaps him in the face with words. Like, don't you know what's going on? By this question, Luke got across the point that Jesus' ministry and death were known to everyone in the city and most of the nation. See, by this, it's saying, look, everybody knows that Jesus did this. How come you don't know that? You know, when you, when you talk to people about Jesus, some of them just have that look like, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Or you can talk about God anywhere. Oh, I know who God is. Yeah, everybody knows God. Enemy knows God too. But when you talk about Jesus, do you know Jesus? Oh, don't, don't say that. You can't say Jesus Christ. You can't. You can't. But it's Jesus who saves us. It's Jesus' blood that was on the cross that we need to truly trust and know who He is. The entire nation was responsible to accept the Messiah. Jesus died for us all. The nation then, everybody was, it's responsibility to receive and accept it. We who have the knowledge of Christ crucified and take Him as our Savior, we should seek to spread that knowledge. As a church, as a body, as a believer, we're supposed to be able to share that. Sometimes it's hard to know what kind of words to say, kind of like we're seeing in these two guys here, talking with Jesus. But it's our actions that speak loud. Our actions are the ones that show God's love. They're the actions that people say, I want to know something about you. I want to know what's different. I want to know what is it that's in your life that's different from my life because I'm lost. I'm hurting. And so many times God puts those people in our path and we, we don't notice them. We don't see them. Or maybe we just kind of shun away because you don't feel confident in that. We see that in these two guys. They're in their sadness. They're in their own situation. They're in their own circumstances and they don't want anything to do with being accountable for it. In verse 20, And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. 
Once again, the two men added that the chief priests uh, and our rulers handed him over to death. Okay, so now here he goes. They're talking about these things, things that they should be rejoicing about, the circumstance, but they're kind of like, okay, I'm getting convicted here. Along with many others, these two men thought that Jesus was one who was going to redeem Israel. That is, be the Messiah and bring bring in the kingdom. See, their hearts knew this. They knew it deep down, but their emotions got caught up into them and it blinded their sight to even what Jesus came to do. They even related that they heard a report of the resurrection directly from some women. But despite all this, their faces were downcast. See, when we accept Jesus into our heart, we rejoice. I've been to Harvest Crusades, many of them. And you know, sometimes I I see all those people going down. I'm like, okay, is that the one? Are we going to go into heaven, right? Is that the last one? And you get excited. You see... You know, you, you see their eyes and, and they're just crying out for Jesus. And granted, there's going to be some that just get caught up in the, in the, the moment. And they go down. They just want to walk on the angel ball field and stuff like that. But, you know, churches are full of people just the same way. They just come because, you know, they say Easter and Christmas are the most busiest days in church. Why is that? Have you ever thought about it? I think about it a lot. You know, why? Why those two days? Jesus died and Jesus rose from the grave. And then, that's all the church they need for the year. We need to be in God's Word constantly. God calls us to be in His Word. Faith comes from knowing the Word. It is to be observed that Cleopas states things just as they occurred to his own mind. They were a little disconnect. Okay, his mind was is confused and distrayed, distracted. There were so many things that were remarkable in Jesus. He just couldn't grasp them all. He couldn't re, couldn't find his faith in there. There was so much evidence that he was the Messiah. Their hopes had been so suddenly interrupted by his death. You know, some of us kind of feel that way right now. With Jeff moving on to the other church, we feel like we're abandoned. Or maybe the church is abandoned. But you know what? It's not. It's not. God is so awesome. He has perfect plans. And who are we to question what God's plans are? When God calls us, you know what? If God calls me to go to some mission trip, you know, maybe go where Chuck's been. I don't know. I'll pray more about it. Um, but, you know, he's a brave man. But if you think about it, if we're truly serving God, then who are we to question what God's going to do? You know? The joke, I'm 52, and I'm still hanging out with the junior hires at MPH. I love it. But you know what? The other youth pastors are like half my age. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm having fun just like you are. But more of it. The thing is, is until God moves us out, we're supposed to stay right where He wants us. And you know the thing is, this is a pulpit. It's made of wood. And Jeff is an awesome craftsman because I saw him build this in a half an hour. No measurements, no nothing. But it's a piece of wood. I am just a, a person. This is the church. You're the church. This is what God calls us to be. 
And sometimes we'll feel abandoned, but we can't. We can't feel abandoned. We need to rise to the occasion. Who knows what God's going to do? I don't know what God's going to do with me. I know it's better than what I'm going to put in front of me. And we have to understand that. Because we can't wrestle with God. We can't say, God, what are you doing? You're whacked. I'm not doing this. These guys are whacked. They're, they're, they have all the reason to be rejoicing. All the reason. But they're like, oh, dear me, oh my. Forgive me. Oh. Rolling around in their sorrow. The following events have been so wonderful that his mind was confused. Sometimes things are so good and you're just like, really? You're doing that, Jesus? That's you? Because we can't grasp it. We can't understand. This is against all odds here. Yeah, that's right. Because no odds work against Jesus. He's, he's complete. He's the finisher. He's everything. And he was confused in what to think. Wow. You ever find yourself thinking about stuff that, why is it happening? Why should I do this? Why do I need to go there? You know, there's times where it's simple things. I call them divine appointments. I don't want to go to the post office today, man. I, I'm tired of picking up bills. All right, I'm going. And then you run into someone and you, you say the right word or something and that person comes to you a week later. Oh, thank you so much for just giving me that word of encouragement. And you're like, really? I was fighting God. I didn't, I, okay, it's God. Verse 22 through 24. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. That blow me away. Totally blow me away. But if you can actually touch, feel, and see, you've got to believe, right? We can touch, we can feel, we can see the things that God has done in our lives. But yet we still question it sometimes. We still question it. The apostles went to the tomb. It was empty. The woman had a message from the angels. All these things are happening and they should be excited and full of anticipation. Instead, they were sad, depressed, slow in heart. The word from the angel, the witness of the apostle, the emptiness of the tomb should have stimulated in their hope and interest. What stimulates us in our hope and our peace in Christ? What is it? Is it material things? Is it things that we pray, oh, I just want that bigger house? I want that new car. I think about that sometimes. All my cars have over 200,000 miles on them. And they came to break one after another. And you fix it and the next one goes. But it's okay. Material things we get caught up in. it. Apple watches. Really? Really? You know, I'm still blown away at the people that stand in line for a week to buy the first Apple phone. Hey, knucklehead. All the Apple employees had theirs before yours. I don't get it. But you know what? Some people put emphasis on that. Video games, sports, 
all those things. You know, I heard it one time, we will cheer on our team at a Super Bowl or whatever, at a football game and that. Do we cheer on Jesus? Do we cheer Him on like, you know, we get cut up in sports? I'm guilty. I get caught up in sports. But I praise Jesus every day. Even when I can't. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you can't find the breath. Instead, they were just trudging the Emmaus, sharing in their sadness, grief, sorrow, unhappiness, depression, gloom. Anybody experienced any of those? I have. I have. No wonder Jesus lovingly, but right to the point, called them fools. I fall into these thoughts sometimes, speaking of myself here, like getting ready for this message. Like, Lord, what? What what am I doing? What is it you're going to do? What is it you're going to put on my heart? And you know, you sit there and you're like... (laughs) And nothing's on the screen yet. And like, Lord, come on, man. I only got so much time here. And then you just pray. You drop on your knees and He just shows up. He just shows up. God wants to do all kinds of things to us all. Do we wait for Him or do we rush into it? Because you know what? If we rush into it, we've got to rely on our own strength. If we wait on God, it's Him that pulls us through it. It's Him that gives us the strength. It's Him that gives us that renewing of the Spirit. His mercies are fresh every morning. Every morning. My faith can be shallow sometimes. He gives me everything I need. I have faith in Him and what He's doing in my life and around me. I just have to open my eyes. I have to have spiritual eyes. In Matthew 8.26 it says, But he said to them, Why are you fearful? O you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. There was great calm. You know, our our God can calm any sea that we go through. We see these guys, all these things that they should be rejoicing. They should be skipping, you know. Just cruising down the road with all an extra step, you know, skipping their step, whatever that phrase is, you know. didn't sound right. But anyway, the thing is, motivated, excited, excited what Jesus did, just did. They get eternal life now. And they're treating it like, it's a chore. It's a chore. Verses 25 through 27. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ you have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. I'm going to go in the NLT version here. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Of course it was. 
Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer? Jesus' blood was the only way in which our sin could be washed away. He had to suffer. And it was only through Jesus, the perfect Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb, that was perfect. Without this, no soul could have been saved. The suffering of the Messiah alone by which Israel and the world can be saved. Just because of Jesus and what He became for us. I believe that Jesus was fully immersed in Scripture and the Word of God. I can't picture Him walking around with the scrolls of Moses and the prophets and said, look at this and look at that. But He knew the Word. We know when He was uh, tempted by, by the devil that He defeated the devil with what? Scripture. 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 And you know what? Everything that we need, everything that we need to know, and every act in our life is all laid out right here perfectly. Perfectly. For us to read and to study. Have we ever thought it that we don't need to study the Word because I've already studied it or I already know it? What I find is we can read a patch of Scripture today. We could take this, we'll just say this patch right here. And we could read it again a week or something, and find a different message in it, depending on what we're going through. You know, I was talking with um, a brother before doing the message, and we were talking about, you know, all the prophecy that God gave through this. All the prophecy. See, God gave me a different vision of for the message. And the thing is, we can read verses after verses, and they can take on a whole different meaning for us. We don't already know it. We don't know it all. We never will. We're not perfect. And God's not finished until the day we see your eye to eye. So we're supposed to keep going forward. Paul tells us about the race. To finish well. He didn't say finish first. He said finish well. Do we do that? This could be a big mistake in our walk, in our spiritual life. We need to be studying the Word of God and be where the Bible is taught constantly in its entirely. That's the beauty of this church. It's the beauty. It's taught entirely. You know, we like hearing the messages that tickle our ears, give us that happy-go feeling. But it's the Word of God that convicts us and shows us the things in our lives that we need to change. And if we don't teach the Bible entirely, you're not going to get that. Sure, we can turn on those pastors that just make you feel good. And all of a sudden, a crisis comes and you recorded it so you can go back to it again. No. We don't, need, we don't need all the messages that tickle our ears and make us that warm, fuzzy feeling. We need the fullness of the Word from the beginning and the end. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes from, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not by man. Not by me, not by anybody else that stands in this place or who's on TV. It comes from the Word of God. And it's alive. And we should be in this daily. Scripture tells us to be up before the dawn. Why is that? Before all those things of the world creeps in to your life or your schedule, you've got to be armed and ready to go. You've got to have that full armor of God on. 
And if you leave one piece off, the enemy knows where that is. It's like football. You see the quarterback out there in a pair of shorts and a tank top and everybody's all suited up? He's dead meat. But we go into battle, our spiritual battle, like that sometimes. Sometimes those guys don't even have a shirt on. Yeah. Jesus rebuked them for not understanding and believing. He explained from Moses and the prophets that had been said about him. He implied that these disciples should have understood from the Old Testament the prophecy of what had happened. They should have understood it. They saw it. They were taught it. Even the miracles that they saw Jesus do, they didn't believe him. I'm serious. If I see someone take mud and put it on their eyes and he can see, I'm believing it. I saw it. I believe it. Through this whole great event, we see the doubt of his followers and disciples. Ones that were close to him seeing the miracles. Seeing the great example he showed in all circumstances, but still their faith was always falling short. My faith falls short. And it hurts. It hurts sometimes. And faith of a mustard seed? If I was to put a little dot on this piece of paper and hold it up, you wouldn't be able to see it. A mustard seed is very small. But have you seen the plant of a mustard seed? The roots are deep. They're deep. And our faith needs to be deep into the Word of God. We need to be strong in our faith. Because when we go through our trials, we can't rely on our own faith. We can't rely on our own strength. We've got to rely on God's faith and His strength. The faith that we have in Him. How many of us can relate to this? God has done so much for all of us. And you're walking with your heads hanging down. Hanging low. Are we dealing with sadness or depression? Are we not totally relying on God for things to come in our lives? Are we not totally relying on God for the things He is doing here at our church? Are we relying on God or are we relying on man? Are we relying on the things that the world look at or are we relying on God? May we lift our heads high in faith and call on the one who saves us. We should be walking bold and bright, full of God's love. Paul tells us to be bold in our faith. We have our men's camp out coming up with the boys and their fathers. We take men, young men that don't have a dad there, or maybe they can't make it. And we show them the Word of God. And not taking any, anybody's glory, but Adam does a phenomenal job with them. Shows them what it means to be a man for Christ. To stand tall, not weak. We need to be doing that. If we truly believe in the Lord is in control, which we do, then we can rest in Him regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of our circumstances. We have to rely on Him. Because He has great things for us. And as Christians, whether we're going through time of trials and that, we should be walking happy, rejoicing, because He has great plans for us. And He's not done. He's faithful. It was pretty um, amazing how in my devotion this morning, 
Colossians 3.15 just kind of fit with the message. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of the body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And you know what? I printed that out, cut it, and glued it to my notes because it just fits so perfect. Because that's what we need to be doing. We're the church. We're the body of Christ right here. And we need to be head high. I'm sure these two men got it right later. But at that time, they were, they were sad. They were blinded by their sorrows. We need to be skipping. We need to be talking and sharing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. Your Word is alive. Your Word goes forth before we even do. Lord, we should be calling upon You in all things, in all areas of our lives. When things are great, we should be on our knees for the times when they do come short, that we're prayed up, and that we have our foundation and we're strong. I would pray, Lord, if there's anybody here today that is maybe kind of walking around like these two men, I would pray, Lord, that You would give them the strength to lift their heads up high and that Your Holy Spirit would be evident in them and that we would be rejoicing. Lord, I would pray that You would raise up this body, raise up this church, put a fresh calling on their lives, Lord, in a way that, man, we know it's only You and that we would never look back and question what You're doing. Because we know that you are doing a good work and we need to step out of the way. So Lord, we thank you and we love you in your precious name. Amen.